Listening to the One Two Three Show with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Friday afternoon. I'd like to welcome back to the studio my wonderful co-host Karen Co for this week's Agenda Cafe. Hi, Noreen. I try to say it in one breath. I'm breath. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing, Karen? I'm good. I'm good. Okay, take a breath now. <laughs> I can breathe. Good, good. Well, without gonna, the face mask, right? Exactly. <laughs> you're going to be breathing heavily today because we're, today we're talking about sex, a sexy topic, a sex topic. Yes. So we're talking about sex in relationships, or actually, we're talking about a lack of sex in relationships. <laughs> so you know, of course, in most romantic relationships, sex is an important part of the connection between two people. Often, it's where you start,、um, but. It also changes、uh, with things like getting older,、um, having children, and other factors like maybe illness or, or disability. So, so it can get to the point where you have a relationship where there's no sex going on, you know. And there's、um, uh, there's actually、uh, one term which I've read about for it, which is the、mm-hmm. dead bedroom.、Mm-hmm. Sounds awful, <laughs> but but. It's a thing. So joining us now to talk more about it is Kristen Zeising, who's a clinical psychologist and a certified sex therapist. And Kristen does both individual and couples therapy. So Kristen, welcome to the program. Great, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be on. Yeah, well, I'm really excited to talk about this topic. So, so just let's set a, a framework first. How would you define like what is a sexless relationship or sexless marriage? Alrighty. Well, it kind of depends on who you would ask, but research. That was done. Said that about ten、uh, to twenty percent of people have in long-term relationships and marriages have sexless marriages, and typically it's about less than ten times a year equates sexless. But you know that can vary based on who you talk to, and it's a little subjective as well. Yes. Why <laughs> <laughs> you say that, Noreen? <laughs> you? Because you're not there yet. <laughs> just. just. <laughs> so, so ten to twenty percent seems like quite a lot.、Yeah. Like one in five, up to one in five yeah. people. Yeah. Yeah. It's a common experience for a variety of reasons. So, I mean, there there are so many reasons why people don't have sex. I think we have this fantasy that we're going to meet this perfect person, we're going to fall in love, we're having great sex in the beginning. So this might be the right person. I'll have sex the rest of my life with this person, and it'll be good. And you know, that's just a fantasy that's spoon fed to us. The reality is, a lot of things happen in relationships in our lives that push sex away, or that you know, make it that we're just not in the mood. And unfortunately, that can happen where. We're really not in the mood a lot, and then becomes this sexless relationship. Right.、Mm. So that becomes the default sort of、yeah. pattern of,、yeah. of, of behavior. So then, I mean, obviously, sometimes you might go through a dry patch. Sure. What What would be the difference between that and actually a really sexless relationship? Sure. Well, I think we all have dry patches. Honestly, I mean, again, it's not a reality. I don't know anybody who has this perfect sexual relationship forever, and it's consistent and the same. I think, for example,、um, if There's stressors in life. If there's、um, someone loses a job, moves,、um, if they have children, there's all sorts of things. Illness that can cause a rough patch.、Uh, I tend to find with couples that if you have a good regular sex life that's strong enough, and then you go through this patch, you'll come out the other end and find a way back. And if you have good communication skills, you can find your way to go. Hey. Let's let's get back on track here. Or this is what I'm needing. Or I need some more support. Whatever it is,、um, that's different between that and someone who maybe there's a couple who hasn't had sex. Maybe I've I've known people for five years who haven't had sex,、mm. and that's a very different experience. 
Yeah. Is there also a confusion between sort of sex and intimacy? Can a couple be intimate but without having sex? Well, it's interesting you bring up the word intimate because that's used in different ways. Like there's emotional intimacy and then there's sexual intimacy. Um, a lot of couples will come into my office and say, hey, we're, we're emotionally intimate. We're physically intimate. We're cuddling. We're, we're sensitive and sweet. We, we can communicate. But the sex part, we just can't get. So there can be that. Um, where it's just not working in that way. Yeah, is that quite common? Yeah, I think um, I think for a variety of reasons, we we put the erotic part of ourselves on the shelf. You know, for example, um, a lot of couples come in with little children and they're exhausted. They're, they're hello. <laughs> don't know anything about that, Noreen, do you? Uh, I know, I just came back from my maternity leave for my second child, and it's exhausting. It is exhausting. And, and, and you're tapped out. Some women will say yeah. they're tapped out, like they have the kids all over them, they, they don't want another touch. You know, they might want a hug, maybe yeah. a nice hug, but not sexual And touch. also for women, you're breastfeeding, so your body just feels like it's, it's not it yours. It doesn't belong to me. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's hard to feel sexy. It's hard to feel like you even want sex. And so maybe you do like what we call like the mercy sex. <laughs> What's the mercy sex? Oh, that's when, for, it's often that I hear women, I don't think I hardly ever hear men say this, where it's like, oh gosh, my partner wants sex, I guess I should give it to them, I should be the good wife, they want it, so they, they just give it Without to get actually it having that, yeah, getting it over it. Right. Yeah. And oh. that's what I really like to talk to women about, finding a way to feel empowered sexually. You know, we have a stereotype that men always want sex and women don't. Right. And it's really not the case for most people. I see just as many men who don't want sex as I see women not wanting sex. So it's this myth. And I think for women, we often get excited in the beginning. We often feel very aroused and wanting our partners, but we find actually through, through research that we can lose our interest in sex with our partner within the first four years right. because it, we get bored. Yeah. We need no, no, I'm just. I read a lot of articles. <laughs> Karen, I've been reading a lot of articles that say that women get much uh, get bored in monogamous relationships much faster than men. Yes, absolutely, and that's the thing. That is not the message that's put out there. And so, when women aren't really wanting sex, I'm sorry. It's maybe not. It's the sex that they're having that they don't want. Because when you see couples and they get divorced, guess what? She's out there having sex again. So I think that's a really important piece so that we can normalize it and help women to realize I might need something new, different with my partner to help them feel empowered to ask for it and also teach them how to get in touch with their sexual selves. Because a lot of women, we're, you know, we're raised culturally to not even feel like we should want sex, that we shouldn't um, talk about we shouldn't it, talk about it. We don't know how to talk about it. We don't know what our needs are. So it's hard for women to then go, well, what do I even tell him? So I try to help empower women to go, well, what does feel good to you and to speak up for it yeah how do you go about having that sort of open communication because like you said some women are shy yeah. um and so how where, where should we begin telling our partners what we want you know it's probably never an easy conversation to start i mean we can talk about anything but sex to our closest partner um i just think it's a good time to say you know what honey i've been thinking about it you know let's just Let's have a conversation about, you know, the good things we like about sex. Starting off light and positive, not with the, 
I'm not liking our sex life or you don't do this right. Men are very sensitive to the criticism, by the way. Mm. They want to be the providers. They want to be the guys that treat, like, make us feel good. They want to feel like our man. So we have to be sensitive in how we bring things and bring it light and bring it like, hey, let's talk about what we both want. Let's you talk stud. About <laughs> <Yeah>. You stud. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, because it's all tied up with their self-image as well, mm -hmm. right? That if they're not... if they're not satisfying their partner then it's a big blow to their ego exactly yeah. and that's why some women you know fake it so that they can protect their man's ego yeah, yeah. look at us really like, yeah. yeah um but let's talk a little bit more about uh, some of the emotions that lack of sex can lead to you know i've read that it can lead to anger it can lead to isolation and like you said it can lead to women or men having sex outside of their relationship yeah, I, I think, um, you know, there's a lot of feelings that can cause a lack of sex, but then a lack of sex can cause a lot of disconnect, a lot of resentment, a lot of feelings of rejection. I'll often see this dynamic called the pursuer-distancer. Like one person who's the pursuer, let's say the man stereotypically in this situation, um, he'll reach out, maybe she rebuffs him and says, no, not tonight, I'm not interested. And then he can start feeling rejected and then stop pursuing anymore you know and then that leads to we're, we're not having any sex so resentment hurt feelings um, just not feeling good enough not feeling connected you know when you're when you're in a relationship and you're having some kind of regular sex whatever that is you feel like there's some kind of bond between you two that you don't have with other people mm. and that's kind of like a glue that holds you and it can be hey it could be once a month if that's your thing or it could be once a week but you know hey we, we've got this that keeps us connected and close and when we don't have that it just feels like we can start to diverge and there's more of a, a cavern between us and that can lead to potential affairs um, and just not a sense of feeling like a team. Yeah. Are there other um, cases where, you know, there's just a mismatch of libido between partners, mm. which may be in the initial stage of relationship when you're just so into each other, you don't realize it until time goes on and then you realize, oh, okay, I have a really high libido and my partner just doesn't. You know, that's exactly it. In the beginning, we're so into each other, you don't notice. And if you're not asking questions to get to know what their sexual erotic template is all about, you may miss this. And then before you know it, I've had people in my office, hey, the man says, I want sex every day. She says, or yeah, it doesn't have to be, I've seen men, mixed, mixed uh, men and women, heterosexual. I see gays and lesbians and they can have these same problems too. But um, certainly it can be that one person wants it once every two weeks one person wants it every day so then you're in this dilemma what do we do about this what I'll do is often ask well what does sex mean to you and try to get to the root of that and see if there's ways those needs can also be met in other ways like for example if someone says hey I want sex regularly because I want to feel loved I want to feel important okay well if your partner isn't wanting sex as much as you is there a way in which they can show you you're loved and you feel important in mm. other ways as well yeah, because I mean, I think I've, uh, you know, on Reddit, there is a whole thread called Dead Bedrooms and everyone yes. is like, there's so many people on it who are talking about their stories from all ages, like from teenagers up to people in their 60s. And often, you know, the person who's telling the story is the one who's not getting the sex yeah. and is basically saying, you know, my low libido partner just either keeps rejecting me or comes up with some excuse every single time and in the end a lot of them end up leaving mm -hmm. um, so I guess they try to talk about it but it but it either it doesn't work or 
the person agrees during the conversation and then when it actually comes to, you know, the next time around, they make some other excuse. So, I mean, it seems like it's a really hard thing to to talk about openly Mm. to solve. Well, we're also so sensitive about not wanting to hurt our partner's feelings. So it's sometimes hard to be really honest. Like, okay, I don't like the way you smell. Or the way you do this does not turn me on. Maybe I have been faking my orgasms for 10 years, and now I need to tell you that actually you're not doing it for me. Like there, It's, it's really challenging, mm. but that's when I try to encourage people. You need to be authentic and show up and, and risk you know, it, it's hard to take that leap to be really honest in your communication, but it's so important, you know, because that's when you have the fire and the energy is when you're being raw and you're risking and saying what's really on your mind. That's when you can create the better sex, not just doing the same old, same old. Yeah. What about the pressure to have sex? I mean, all of, a lot of the times there is this pressure, like you said, the mercy sex or mm. where does this pressure come from? Some, some, sometimes it comes from our partner, but sometimes it comes from within. It's like, oh, because so-and-so has asked for so many times for, for mm-hmm. sex so many times, I feel like I should just do it. How do we sort of not cave into the pressure? That's a good question, because I think it's easy to get caught up in that dynamic and just do it. I think it starts with kind of getting in touch with yourself and recognizing, wow, am I just doing this because I'm feeling this pressure? And then bring those questions and those thoughts to your partner. Or are you doing it also for love as well? Because I love my partner so much. I should do it. But you hear the shoulds, and then you get caught up in these shoulds. And that's not... It's not healthy, right? It's not healthy. It's not embracing it. It, It's doing something that really isn't benefiting you. So I think getting in touch with yourself and like, why am I doing this? Okay, I should. should. Can I find some way to get pleasure in this? And also maybe talking to your partner and say, hey, honey, you know what? I'm feeling some pressure around this. Can we just talk about how we do this and and, and what can work for both of us? It's it's about talking about as a team, as a Mm. positive team. Because when one person isn't feeling happy in the relationship, the relationship isn't working. You need to have both people getting their needs fulfilled. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the role of the media as well. <laughs> uh, I was I was yeah. on Huffington Post and it says sort of eight reasons, uh, eight reasons. Uh, wait, where is that? I just lost my page. Um, anyway, eight reasons uh, to uh, about about how to cope with a sexless relationship, and then you know list out ways of saying remember you're not alone, identify w- uh, why uh, you've stopped having sex, basically the things that you were listing out. And then the last point was ignore what you see in the media. <laughs> I want to say except for what oh. you hear on the agenda cafe, <laughs> except for what the show. Yes, yeah, so listen. What about the role of the media and what we see um, in, in in Hollywood films? What what it's how it's being portrayed? I mean, mm-hmm. how does that make uh, feature into the pressure of, of mm-hmm. trying to have sex with our partners. Well, that's the other thing I was alluding to earlier, cultural norms and the messages we get from early, early on, and messages we don't even realize we're getting that are just kind of seeping in. So this ideal of, you know, you, you see these people that are famous or they're beautiful and you're thinking, oh, they must be having great sex and they're, look, they're all always the hugging. All the time. All the time. Sofia Vergara. <laughs> oh, my goodness, yes. These sexy, beautiful people, yeah. they must be. Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> yeah, right? who they are. And the reality is those people are human just like all of us and having their issues just like all of us. I think that's the most important message is that it's normal to have sexual issues. I think every relationship has some sexual bumps in the road along the way. So I think... Those kinds of messages are, should be getting out there. And even sometimes with the advice columns, sometimes they're so uber positive and like you can have it all and you can have great sex all the time and how to be hot and passionate all the time. 
okay, you can strive for that, but the reality is there's a saying of good enough sex. Right. And I think that's realistic. That It's kind of like a bell curve. Like, sure, sometimes in your relationship you'll have this, maybe you'll have some hot and heavy sex. And at the other end of the bell curve is not good sex. Mm. And most of the time you're in the middle. Right. This is good enough sex. Exactly. And you know what? I can go for that. That's yeah. more realistic. Yeah. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's take a quick break and we'll return to a more sexy chat this Friday afternoon. Afternoon with me, Karen Ko and Noreen Mir, and we are talking about um, sex or a lack of sex in a relationship, the so-called dead bedroom syndrome. And we're joined by Kristen Zeising, who's a clinical psychologist and certified sex therapist who does both individual and couples therapy. So, Kristen, we've we've heard about some of the reasons why the sex goes out of a relationship and and how it can affect you. Um, so, one of the things that that we've read about is that one solution is maybe put it on your calendar schedule sex you know make an appointment does is do you think that's a reasonable viable thing to do <laughs> you know i i get very mixed reviews when i recommend this to clients um there's the people who are happy who go great i don't have to worry about being pressured for sex every day and i know every thursday sex night then great i can think about it get ready for it and i don't have to have anxiety Psych myself up for it yeah then there's a person who goes gosh i wish i could have sex more often but hey if i I know I'm going to get it once a week. That's more than I was having. So they're okay with that. Um, then there's the couples, though, that say, oh, it's so not spontaneous. Yeah. I don't want to plan it. That's that's not sexy at all. And it feels like something on the to-do list, like a chore. Yeah. yeah. However, one thing we always say is, you know, when you're dating and you're, you're, you know, you have a date Friday night and you're thinking, I'm probably going to get lucky. So I'm shaving my legs and I'm clean. <laughs> I put perfume on. I have a nice lingerie. And I am planning for this sex night because I'm hoping it's going to happen. You know, we can plan for those. But for some reason, once we're once a long-term partner. Married. Yeah. It's like, oh, the planning isn't good. So... You know, again, it's it's half and half. I think if you do create this timing, this, this planned event, make it kind of like, um, I don't know, intimate time. You know, maybe mm. think about if we have a couple of hours, do we want to go out for dinner? Do we want to do something special, something romantic away from the kids so it's not just family time? It's our intimate time or, you know, time to connect together. And then maybe maybe you are in the bedroom and maybe you go, you know what? Tonight, I just feel like laying naked and cuddling with you, honey. Okay, that's our intimate time. It can be whatever you want. It doesn't have to be that, okay, at 6 o'clock, we're starting the the foreplay. By 6.30, we're having intercourse. It's not that. (laughs) It can be whatever you want. (laughs) (laughs) And by 7, it's all we're asleep. (laughs) Yeah, so you you can play with it a little bit. Yeah. So do you think it could put pressure on people, too? Like, to feel like, oh, no, you know, Thursday night's coming up, you know, know, I have to perform, or... If if I happen to not be in the mood, I still have to show up. Well, that's why I'm saying you could have it be, you could have a conversation and say, can it just be intimate time, close time? And sex can be like a menu. It doesn't have to be the same thing every time. It can be sexual. It can be intimate touch. Because for people who have put that off the table, they need some way to kind of bring it back in, in a way that feels like they're going to hold each other accountable. So that's why sometimes scheduling can be a good thing. Um, So... And I also think that we often can have pressure and anxiety around sex, and we have to work on that in general. Work on getting out of our heads and stop overanalyzing it, and how am I going to perform, and will I have an orgasm, and will my body perform, and get back into your body and kind of go, 
I'm going to take some nice deep breaths. I'm going to calm myself down. I'm going to be in the moment and use all my five senses to just be in this experience with my partner and see what comes. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but we're talking, we're giving examples of people who are in loving relationships. <laughs> now, there are couples who are in in relationships, maybe for the kids, or maybe sure. the, the love or, or the passion has sort of fizzled out a little bit. And, you know, if if I don't really like you very much, I'm not going to have sex with you, really. And And they withhold sex as a sort of weapon or something i i don't know and they use it against each other so how do you sort of get back onto that intimacy track for couples who have you know quite frankly drifted. lost drifted mm. yeah oh and that's even more than drifted i mean there's some anger there the way you described it resentment if i'm here just for the kids and that's all we have that's a dire place you know so that's where you're not going to just start having sex mm. i mean you have to deal with these hurts and resentments and clear that up although angry sex can be hot sometimes <laughs> right yeah, makeup, well, makeup, 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 sex. makeup sex, yes. you know you know and there are some believe me there are some couples that i know that fight like cats and dogs and still have great sex maybe it's the great sex that keeps right. them going right. you know but i think if you're feeling a lot of anger hurt resentment towards your partner feeling like you wouldn't be in this relationship if it wasn't for things like the kids or finances you really Really need to get some help mm. you know get some some of these things are, are past the point of doing it yourself sometimes you really need professional help to have someone guide you and how to work through that yeah and you know do both people need to go to the, um, the, the, the couple's uh, counselor or will one person going actually help the situation or do both people I think need one to go? person can go for themselves to kind of get some clarity and how to show up in the relationship with a more open positive mind however I think it's best ultimately if the couple needs help for the couple to go in together because you know frankly sometimes one person will come in and grow and mm. the other person isn't and then they grow out of the relationship and realize wow I don't even want to be in this and that that might be their journey but right. um, it's probably best to get couples help too and I mean we're all women here in the room so we all have a particular <laughs> perspective but do you find that men and women have a very Diff either different approach or just see things differently when it comes to you know what they want sexually from their relationship sure I, I think like I was alluding to, alluding to earlier I think you know men want to feel like they're respected um, I think their their jobs really impact them and so if things are being stressful at work that comes into the bedroom I think they want to feel like their wives or think that they're the, the bees knees and they're looked up to I think and also when women feel not so happy with their partners and they show it on their face, their partners take it personally and they may not feel like being very sexual. Um, and I've heard a lot of men though um, say that sex makes them feel closer. You know, women often feel like they want to feel close and then can have sex. Men often feel really connected with sex. Mm. And I don't think women always get that. Um, that, you know, they will withhold sometimes right. and, and realize that that would be helpful. So that, so that men actually feel more connected with on on other levels yeah. through the sex. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. So why didn't they tell us that? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well that's the thing. Our sex ed growing up, none of us, I can pretty much guarantee none of us had a pleasure fo focused sex ed. It was all about how to not get pregnant right. or STIs. Yes. Not on biology. How to feel pleasure. You know, yeah. and I think it, I think things might be changing, but it's important that we learn growing up about how sex is pleasurable and also how to be in relationships. We don't get those messages either. So we just go out there and we're ringing it and trying the best we can. 
Yeah. Well, let's end the show on some tips that perhaps you can share with our listeners then, Kristen. I mean, if some of our listeners are experiencing a bit of a dry patch uh, in their relationship, where is a good starting point? Uh, you mentioned communication is very important. How should we begin that process? Yeah, I think um, being able to own up to... I'd like a little bit more. I like a little bit of X, Y, and Z. You know, oftentimes, like I said, we, we bring the criticisms and negativity. I think to think about, well, when was maybe sex good? really good for you what did you like about it maybe you could say hey honey remember when we had sex in the living room instead of the bedroom how exciting that was let's do more of that so making requests um, also to spice it up risking saying let's try something different even just a little different getting outside your comfort zone can dressing be a really up good or thing. something yeah wearing a sexy mask or <laughs> yeah <laughs> possibly yeah <laughs> Not these medical masks. No. Yeah. Yeah, I hope Surgical. you're not so much. Although that, that, some people might enjoy that too. There could be a yeah. kink for that. A doctor you know? and nurses, I don't know. You know, there's plenty of also um, sex books nowadays that discuss all different ways of being sexual or different ideas that you could read together. For some people, watching porn for, together can mm -hmm. be fantastic and be a turn on. Yeah. So, you know, and, and, and talking about it and just saying, hey, are there things that you've kind of thought you'd like, but you've never really shared with me? It's okay. We can just share it. There are things where you can go, well, just share it. Doesn't mean we're going to do it, but we can just talk about the fantasy. Then that can be safe. Or do you want to try it? Maybe try it just once and see how it goes and then decide if you want to continue it with it from there. Yeah. Oh, mm. something that just popped into my head, but I can't say that. It's about me and my husband. I'll tell you guys about that <laughs> later on. <laughs> <All right. laughs> well, very, very uh, good practical uh, uh, tips there. Um, on this note, let's wish our listeners a happy, I don't know, what should we wish them? Uh, happy, a sexy, happy sex life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> However often it is for exactly. you. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly, because there's no... Sort of there's standard. No, no, there's no right. There's not a right answer, or wrong right? Way. Every every partnership is different. So, I guess I guess it's true as long as you're um, communicating with each other about what you really want and what if your needs are being met or not. Then that's the first step. Mm -hmm. yeah. I wonder if people are having sex more now since uh, you know people are working remotely from home. Uh huh. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I did see a few weeks ago that after the toilet paper run, the next thing that ran out at the grocery store was condoms. Yes. So maybe they are. <laughs> they agreed to do a study. After yes. <laughs> yeah, because somebody said, oh, you know, watch out for a second wave of baby boomers. Right. It's like, yeah, because condoms, condoms have failed, right? Well, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, many thanks uh, for your time this week, Kristen. Thank I look you. forward to having you back on next time. Thank thanks you very much. Thanks again, Kristen. Thanks.